20-year-old Canadian student who embarked on a solo trip to California in January 2013. She checked into the Cecil Hotel, a budget hotel situated in downtown Los Angeles, known for its dark and notorious history. Elisa Lamb's parents were regularly in touch with her during her travels, and they last heard from her on January 31st, 2013. Concerned about their daughter's sudden silence, they alerted the Los Angeles Police Department about her disappearance. The investigation into Elisa Lamb's disappearance began, and law enforcement officials immediately commenced a search of the hotel premises. Flyers and Lamb's photograph were distributed, and the public was urged to provide any information that could aid in locating her. Meanwhile, detectives reviewed surveillance footage from the hotel, hoping to uncover any clues about her whereabouts. It was the footage from the Cecil Hotel's elevator that captured the public's attention and added a chilling twist to the case. The video released by the LAPD on February 14th showed Elisa Lamb behaving strangely moments before her disappearance. In the footage, she entered the elevator, pressed multiple buttons, and peered out of the door as if she was conversing with someone. She then stepped in and out of the elevator, making erratic gestures and seemingly hiding from an unseen presence. Finally, she stepped out of the elevator and disappeared from view. The video quickly went viral and theories about what happened to Elisa Lam began to circulate. Some speculated that she was under the influence of drugs, experiencing a mental health crisis, or being pursued by an unknown assailant. As the investigation progressed, the LAPD released more information about the case, shedding some light on the circumstances surrounding Lamb's disappearance. It was revealed that the hotel's water supply had been affected by a foul taste and smell around the time of Elisa Lamb's disappearance. The investigation led authorities to the rooftop water tanks where they made a grisly discovery. On February 19th, 2013. Elisa Lamb's lifeless body was found stripped of all her clothing, floating in one of the tanks. The lid of the tank was closed, leading to question about how she could have gained access and closed it behind her. The discovery of Elisa Lamb's body intensified the mysteries surrounding her case. The autopsy report provided some insight into the cause of death, attributing it to accidental drowning. The report noted that Lamb did not have any significant injuries or evidence of foul play. However, questions remained about how she ended up in the water tank and why she was behaving so erratically in the elevator footage prior. The investigation into Elisa Lam's death raised concerns about the security and maintenance practices at the Cecil Hotel. The hotel had a dark history with past guests including infamous criminals and serial killers such as Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, as well as a series of unfortunate suicides and homicide. This notoriety led to speculation that the hotel might be haunted or have some supernatural elements at play. However, investigators focused on more practical explanations. Lamb's family confirmed that she had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder and was taking medication for it. 
Supporters of this theory argued that her strange behavior in the elevator was consistent with symptoms associated with these conditions. They suggested that she may have entered the water tank voluntarily during a manic episode or as a result of hallucinations. Another theory examined the possibility of foul play. Some speculated that Lamb was targeted by an unknown assailant who subsequently placed her body in the water tank to dispose of evidence. However, no concrete evidence emerged to support this theory, and the authorities did not uncover any signs of a struggle or trauma on Lamb's body. As the case continued to captivate the public's attention, the internet became a breeding ground for conspiracy theories. One popular theory suggested that Elisa Lamb's death was connected to an outbreak of tuberculosis in Los Angeles around the same time. Supporters of this theory claimed that Lamb's erratic behavior was a result of her attempting to avoid an infected person, potentially in the hotel. However, this theory lacked factual evidence and was largely dismissed by experts. Ultimately, the case of Elisa Lamb remains shrouded in mystery. The exact sequence of events leading up to her death and the reasons behind her behavior in the elevator video remain uncertain. Despite extensive investigations, the case did not yield any definitive answers, leaving many questions unanswered and allowing speculation to persist. Was this a manic episode caused by bipolar disorder? Or is there something more sinister to be discovered? Welcome to the Scream Queer Podcast with Ralph Anthony. Topics describing graphic violence, strong sexual content, explicit language, and elements that may not be suitable for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What is going on, beautiful creatures of the world? Thank you so much for listening in this week. I hope you all are doing wonderful, you are thriving, and as always, hanging in there. I am doing all right. I could be better, but with the count of hands, how many of you out there are absolutely terrified of going to the doctor? I'm just going to go ahead and jump out and say, me, (laughs) I have this fear of going to the doctor and I don't really know where it stems from. As I've mentioned prior, I was raised by my grandmother and she was a woman with a lot of underlying health issues. So maybe seeing her in and out of doctors or hospitals so often always painted this negative picture for me and I've also had some bad experiences myself from the woman who took my weight and made a very rude remark about my shoes being too heavy when I was a lot heavier than I was now or just really being treated like a child. I've always had this issue with being reprimanded by people who aren't my dad or my mom like I've I've always had like some sort of authority issue 
maybe that could be it. So I think that's kind of where that anxiety stems from. I'm telling you guys, I'm a fucking mess. But cut to today, cut to my life right now. I have been having this really annoying gnawing pain on my right side abdomen uh, just under my ribs. Now that pain also travels to the mid right side of my back. It's not like an intense pain where I'm like crying in tears. But it's just one of those pains where you're like, you know what? Something's not right with me. Something is not right in there. So uh, throw in a few cases of nausea and lack of appetite. And that's why you see me finally scheduling a doctor's appointment, which I've already been to and it's ongoing. So we're looking into that. The doctor did some tests and touched some pressure points and was baffled because he was almost certain that it was something with my gallbladder. But when he touched those areas, it didn't really hurt at all. Like when he did his like little tests, so he ended up taking eight vials of my precious blood and now it's just a waiting game. But whatever's going on there, I obviously will keep you all informed because I am sure that will affect my recording schedule. But just hope that everything turns out great and there's nothing too crazy going on there. But it's kind of crazy. Like here I am just getting my mental health back on track and my body's just like, nope. You got to go through this now, but you know what? It's all good. Uh, what's that saying? It's not how you deal with it. It's how you come out at the end or I could be totally wrong. But the moral of the story here, everyone, is to go to the doctor, get yourself checked out just to make sure everything is running properly. Funny story. Well, it's not really funny. It was pretty traumatizing. Uh, my dad actually had a really bad scare about a year and a half ago. Uh, he was having a really like similar pain, but his was like 10 times worse. And he had gone a good amount of time. I want to say about like a year and a half, just feeling this pain, not saying anything and just, just dealing with it. So it took him getting really sick and it turned out his gallbladder was bad and it rotted inside of him and he almost went septic and I almost lost my dad due to that. So he had to go through emergency surgery and all this and it was just all bad so that's what I'm trying to avoid so like I said just go to the doctor get tests done because you never know like what's going on but I've just felt like I was invincible for so long with just eating better and and working out and I'm sure that's how most of us feel in our 20s but now I'm almost in my mid-30s and it's really starting to hit me. I'm just like, shit, I don't feel as young or unstoppable as I once felt. Changing up topics a little bit, let's discuss some horror news, shall we? Five Nights at Freddy's, the popular video game series, is getting a film by Universal Pictures, and the trailer has finally been released. Those wondering what the hell I'm talking about, it's a video game that takes place in a fictional restaurant called Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, which is known for its animatronic characters that entertain children during the day. Think of old school Chuck E. Cheese. Those, I don't, okay, I have never been entertained by Chuck E. Cheese as a child. I always felt some sort of creepiness to those animatronics. Like, not to mention when someone in, like, a rat suit would come out and just start 
greeting all the kids like they'd go crazy no i would always run the other way and try and stay as far away from him as possible because it was freaking creepy but back to the video game so when night falls these animatronics become active and potentially dangerous so it takes you as a player i, th I believe you take on the role of a night security guard or something like that and you have to survive five nights at the restaurant by watching out for these animatronics watching the security cameras and and using limited resources effectively but the main goal of the game is to keep an eye on the animatronics and ensure their movement is restricted as they become more aggressive and attempt to reach the security office i have played this game once or twice and it scared the crap out of me it's a first person game and first person games just always tend to be a little bit more scary um because these like yeah they're like animals and whatever but they're freaking scary like when they when they jump out at you they make like this really loud noise and like the screen like shakes and your controller vibrates and it's just a really intense game so the universal pictures film adaptions premise is pretty similar and that reads a troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes the night shift at Freddy's won't be so easy to make it through. The trailer has been dropped and it just, it looks so fun and really high camp. And if you know me personally, you know I love high camp. I'm such a fan. Hello, this year's Megan and it's Universal. So I believe they distribute Chucky and Chucky has really gone with high camp lately. And I just, I'm gonna love it. So guarantee I will have my review on my Scream Queer podcast Instagram. I might even talk about it a little bit more on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But I believe Universal pushed the trailer early due to a rough cut of it being leaked earlier this month. The film stars Josh Hutcherson, Peter! I don't know why, I just, I will always know him as Peter from The Hunger Games. But it also stars Scream legend Matthew Lillard. So look out for that. It will be available in theaters and on Peacock October 27th. But speaking of Scream, just really briefly, I'm going to talk about Scream. I know. Scream 7 has not yet been announced, everyone. With Radio Silence, the team behind the most recent two installments, aiming their focus on an upcoming Universal monster movie, which is rumored to star Melissa Barrera, who has been the star of the most recent two films. As well as Jenna Ortega filming Beetlejuice 2 and Wednesday, some fear that Jenna will be too busy to return. My theory is maybe they're just going to wait until possibly next year to start filming. So maybe we'll have like a little break because they, they released Scream 6 pretty quickly after the fifth one. So maybe just like let that, that kind of simmer. Um, but I mean, if they want to hurry up, I mean, they can also kill off her character and maybe focus on Melissa's character. I mean, that would be a good plot point, right? Like having Tara die. So then Sam would like go down that darker path and really get in touch with her killer side. <laughs> Moving on. I would like to take the time to answer this week's listener submitted questions. Once again, if you'd like to ask me a horror-related question, share a hookup horror story, paranormal experience, anything you want to submit or ask, 
Don't be shy, screamers. Don't be shy. Send it to screamqueercast at gmail.com or via DM on Instagram at screamqueerpodcast. Or you can even catch me on Reddit. With all of that out of the way, let's go ahead and take on these questions. I just want some backstory on the name. Not hating, but is it because you love the movie Scream? LOL. No, the name is not based off of my love for the movie Scream or that franchise, nor is that all this podcast is. I know I talk about it quite a bit, but they're just like small segments. But essentially, this podcast is not a Scream film podcast. I actually got my name from the title Scream Queen. Think of Jamie Lee Curtis, Nev Campbell, Heather Langenkamp, Danielle Harris, and so on. They're, those ladies are all considered scream queens since they have such a heavy presence in the horror community and have also done a number of horror films. The Halloween franchise, Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, Hatchet, Prom Night, Need I Say More. So, as a gay man, I thought, how can I play off of this title? Alas, Scream Queer Podcast was born. But yes, like I said, the show is horror, true crime driven. However, my goal for it was to create something essentially for everyone. For me, it's about entertaining. It's about possibly informing all of you, covering true crime cases, paranormal stories, and engaging with you all by sharing and answering your questions and stories. So if you want to think of it as an interactive experience, so be it. I would love that. But I also really thrive to put out a positive message about self-love, which is definitely something that I am learning to do for myself at the moment, as well as protecting your energies and sexual positivity. But most importantly tackling social issues and lgbtq plus topics so as i appreciate your questions i don't know why this question kind of kind of stabs me in my gut a little bit which is why (laughs) i think i've gone through about a thousand rebrands and have really strayed away from all the scream ghostface artwork on this podcast's artwork and promo because when i first started i was posting my cosplay as the bedazzled ghost face mask and the whole tank top get up and i think that's kind of like what led people to think that that's all i talk about is ghost face and and scream but it's not it's not i think the only thing that stayed in my promo now is the knife which i mean it's just a knife it's a buck 120 so hi longtime fan First, how are you? Second, do you like 90 Day Fiance? This is a really random question, and I'm going to go ahead and answer the second part first. Um, I don't like 90 Day Fiance. I don't really watch TV, um, let alone reality television. I used to be a big fan of reality television, but I obviously grew out of that. It's just... It's too much drama and like that's just like I I don't understand like how people can sit there and watch like Housewives or all these shows where people are just fighting like it's so I mean okay don't get me wrong I am a huge stan of the Bad Girls Club okay I used to love that show so much and I mean I even still go back and revisit it but I mean going back and revisiting it it's just something that I'm familiar with but I can't get into any like like new shows like like the housewives and all that because that's just that's fucking draining to me. Uh, it's kind of 
contradicting, I know, but no, I, I, I don't watch 90 Day Fiance. I don't even watch RuPaul's Drag Race. Uh, I used to be a huge fan of that show from, I think, season two to about season six. And then after that, I kind of just watched it on and off. It just, it didn't really spark my interest because it just got too too like scripted and like like all the like the drama it just it's too much for me but i am i am i am so proud that sasha colby won that was a well-deserved win see like i know stuff like that but i don't like follow each episode uh although i wanted anitra to win i wasn't anitra stan okay but sasha colby that was well-deserved but no i don't watch 90 day fiance now to go back to your first question how am i Uh, like i said i'm doing okay i'm just dealing with some some health issues that i hope can work out uh for me in the end but thank you so much for sending this question i really appreciate it how do you set boundaries with toxic family members and maintain them even when they resist or push back hello from my standpoint, and this has been really hard for me in the past, but just start off by trying to clearly determine what behaviors or actions are not okay with you. Then you need to reflect on what you need. That's important. And you need to reflect on what is going to make you feel respected and and valued and emotionally safe in your interactions with these people. And once you have all that sorted out, what your boundaries are, then you need to find an appropriate time to really have that conversation with this person or group or in your case, if you're talking about family members. So let them know like what they're doing is not okay or how their behavior affects you and what you need from them going forward. And make sure to always be assertive and but stay calm. Always stay calm. Uh, with expressing yourself. <laughs> I know it can get really frustrating, especially if there is pushback. Like but we all know if you're dealing with family who have an old way of thinking. I'm sure you're going to get pushed back and or get a few eye rolls. But at that point, distance yourself from all of that. I'm not saying cut them off completely. I'm just saying you can love them from all the way over there, from afar. You don't need to be like engaging with them if all they're going to do is just drain you. What happened to season one? And where is the sex content? <laughs> oh boy. Here's the thing. My first season, I'm not even going to lie, it was a fucking mess. Like, literally a shit show. I've talked about it on social media here and there, but I absolutely hated it. From the sound quality to my form of hosting, it was just very amateur. And I was using my headphone microphone. Yay! As time went on, I found my groove a little bit more. I got more into storytelling versus reading from my script and sounding very all over the place. And I'm sure being more confident now has quite a bit to do with it. But also improving my editing skills and really understanding everything technical. That has really all played a huge part in all of this. So season one, I regret to inform you all, has been scrapped for now. 
I just would hate for a new listener to come across my podcast and listen to an earlier episode and judge it based off of that, not really knowing that it improves a ton later on. Uh, By the way, I want to know, when starting a podcast, do you all start from the beginning or do you start from the most recent release? Send me a DM once you hear this on the podcast Instagram, Scream Curve Podcast. So back to season one. Season one is scrapped. There won't be any continuity issues, I promise. And I'm actually working to incorporate some of those stories in future episodes. But for now, for now, Screamers, those 10 episodes are gone. Think of it as my trial. Those episodes were really like, yeah, like my my trial just to see if I really want to do this podcast and continue doing it. Um, but as for the the sex content, it has a lot to do with what I said, just being messy. I think I, I kind of dived so heavily into like sex, 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 sex that it made the show a little bit too raunchy. Uh, don't get me wrong, though. I will still cover sex questions and I will most definitely share your hookup horror stories. But I won't just like throw dicks and vaginas into an episode just for the hell of it. What is one story you've covered or plan on covering that really scared you the most? This is a good question. I've covered a number of good stories. The one with the demonic horn shadows gave me chills uh, when I was recording it. Uh, That one's on the episode prior to this one. Um, I definitely felt uncomfortable recording it. Uh, especially because I usually record in, in a dark area. It's always dark. I don't know. I just like it dark. Okay. But I think my, my, my favorite story has been from episode three of this season, American Hookup Horror Stories, volume one, where a listener submitted a story they had with someone in the military. It was meant to just be like a hookup, but then the guy in the military became extremely hostile and turned out to be a stalker which was crazy wait oh my gosh also the valentine's day prank story was so crazy i think those two have oh my gosh i can't pick one i yeah i think those two have definitely been my favorite so far but i'm telling y'all these stories on reddit have been coming through with the horror stories Uh, actually funny story here I actually got banned from <laughs> from a few groups on Reddit for a while because I was asking for content so often. So when I reached out to the group moderator, like why I was banned temporarily, I was told because you are posting too much and asking for too much content. Like, geez, if that's one thing, that's such a bummer about like Reddit or any group like online where they have like a moderator or something is it come up with the most ridiculous rules. But I mean, like I get it, I guess it can come off slightly annoying or overbearing. And on that note, thank you so much for clicking on this episode, giving it the time of day. I will talk to you all on the next episode. Thank <laughs> you.